This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Once again, it's time for the Idiots. Welcome back to another bonus episode of the Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of idiots. My name's Will, and joining me as always to help recap the misfits of science is Ray. Here we go. Oh, did I not say my friend and co-host, Ray? Hmm. Well, certainly you're those things. You know that. Everybody knows that now. Yeah, they can fill the blanks in at this point. Okay, hey, today we're going to be recapping episode number two, which is cleverly named Your Place or Mayan, uh, as well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the kind of laughs you can get at an 80s TV show. And, and, and look, I'm, I'm really enjoying this rewatch because, you know, it's, it's not only is it 80s goodness, it's just something very enjoyable and joyful about these shows. This episode originally aired on October 18th, 1985. As we've mentioned before, the show was created by James Perriott, who created a number of different shows or has otherwise worked on a number of different shows from our childhood that were awesome. He still works on some great shows today. I'm not going to mention them. If you look it up, you'll be very impressed. Uh, The episode was written by Donald Todd, directed by Alan Levi, and the music, and I should have pointed this out last time because he did the music for the pilot and he did the music for this episode. It's it's by Basil Polidorus, and we talked about him once before when we talked about soundtracks because not only did he do a few episodes for Misfits uh, in that very cool 80s style, uh, he also wrote the scores for the films in the 80s, uh, including Conan, The Barbarian, Red Dawn. Yep. Iron Mm -hmm. Eagle, and RoboCop. Yeah, he's got a lot of good ones. And I know Conan's like one of your favorites. We talked about that many episodes ago with uh, Professor Mike. It's one of my favorite uh, RPG background soundtracks. Ah, right. That just helped sort of reinforce and, you know, help you remember, I guess, and experience it again and again so many times since the 80s. Okay, so hey, here's a quick summary of this episode. After an archaeologist friend of Billy and Elle is killed, they continue his quest for a lost Mayan treasure that may just solve an ancient mystery. I enjoyed this one a lot. Once again, it had a lot of fun little um, pop culture references and things like that. Oh, yeah. But they weren't even like, going back to the 50s or anything, they were just blatantly taking from the 80s while they filmed in the 80s. <laughs> That's how awesome the 80s was. You didn't even have to wait for it to be over to just start, you know, using it in, in something new. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it, this one starts off really good with the uh, with the opening sequence of the, the movie right. they're watching. Mm-hmm. So it, look, it looks like they're watching an old uh, cliffhanger, a serial cliffhanger. It's a black and white movie or maybe a black and white TV. But this, you know, again, this serial film looks like it's Indiana Jones. We know Indiana Jones was based on these, you know, movies from uh, decades earlier. And it looks like it could either be Indiana Jones or one of those earlier films. You've got a guy in a fedora running through an ancient temple of sorts trying to, you know, flee from traps or pursuers of some, of some kind. We see Billy and L are the ones watching this television show. And I think it's really cool that, you know, they, we don't know, realize it at first, but they're cutting between this TV show, this adventurer wearing a hat to someone in, in the actual reality of the, of Billy and L's world, adventuring through some uh, different catacombs, you know, similarly dressed. So we've got this, uh, you know, fictional indie on the TV and a real life, it seems like indie on the, on the television show. Yeah. And what's happening to them is like a mirror image. At one point you see like the, uh, the big cat in the old timey show. Right. And then you see him almost get hit by a Jaguar, the car. Oh my goodness. I did not catch that. I caught him being hit by a car, but they did it. It was a Jaguar. I think so. That's perfect. You're right. That's, that's gotta be, that's really clever. But yeah, they, they, they play with it. So we're not really sure at first, you know, what we're seeing until suddenly 
like you said, the guy emerges into Billy and L's world and now he's running on city streets. He almost gets hit by a car. Billy and L continue to watch their show until a knock on their door uh, from this guy gets their attention. L spots him and this man in a fedora collapses almost immediately. Billy likewise rushes over. They clearly know this guy. They refer to him as Augie. Uh, and he says to them with his last breath, don't let him do it. He'll destroy it. Mrs. Getty. And then he and uh, the movie Indiana, our adventurer archaeologist, both die. Augie, uh, however, is dies clutching what they what seems to be a map. Yes, and it's got uh, the old Mayan hieroglyphic type stuff on it, like you would obviously need to find a uh, ancient Mayan temple of some sort. Of course, yeah. And and it's at this point that they cut to for the first time in this episode we see the actual you know, opening for the, for the show and the, in the pilot, they didn't have it. Like we pointed out, they played Thomas Dolby. She blinded me with science, which was really cool. And when they showed the misfits title across the screen, this one, we've got that uh, intro that we talked about many episodes ago, which was, it's a little bit different. We hear the theme being sung, sung by Bobby short. Someone's watching it on TV. They kick over the TV because they're sick of this old style of television. And then it immediately cuts to the misfits van flying down some uh, open road. And we hear the actual theme. Yeah, it's actually a really good uh, opening sequence. It's uh, different and fun and so far really enjoyable. So. Yeah, and it's so 80s. You know, I was watching with my oldest daughter uh, over the weekend some shows and, and different videos that were made to imitate 80s TV shows. You know, f- I forget what, well, one of them was a, was a comedy show that's meant to seem like it was an old 80s show. And they, you know, they're, they're imitating that style that was done in earnest in shows like Misfits of Science. So I love that style. Yeah, that, that style's amazing. So, so we get a, a couple of, in addition to that being a first, we also have another first. For the first time we see in the credits, Max Wright's name. And we know, we talked about Max Wright a long time ago. He was a favorite actor of ours who unfortunately passed away last year. But we loved him on many different 80s shows, including ALF, most memorably, where he played the dad. Uh, but Max Wright's character will be introduced in a little bit. But hey, we get to see he's going to be on this show already uh, during these credits. When we're back at the lab after this scene, there's a, they did this in the pilot episode where they alluded to other folks with powers in this world. Back at this, right back at the lab, we see a man who's smoking. It's just like smoke is coming out from under his clothes. And I think Billy says to somebody, you know, be ready to put him out or, you know, make sure, get him something to drink, keep him cool, something like that. Now in the lab, they have, it seems like they've already done some work in connection with this map that they got from Augie. Because they have this giant stone, uh, t- you know, a pillar, I guess, it's, you know, it's probably like, I don't know, seven or eight feet tall. Did, was it your understanding that, um, I might have missed something, that that stone pillar was related to the, the map and the, the Mayan uh, mystery? I don't think so. I just think they wanted to have her move it with her powers. Okay, right. Okay. Just, yeah. just to remind everybody that she has powers. Gotcha. Okay. So they're doing, yeah, and they're doing a number of different, clearly they're doing a number of, they're multitasking because not only do they have this stone tablet, L's trying to decipher the Mayan map. Uh, Richard Stetmeyer, Max Wright's character, comes in looking for the report on the memory experiment they were supposed to conduct. And of course, you know, it's the joke you would expect, right? Um, oh, yeah. When asked it about it, <laughs> Billy, of course, says he forgot it. Yeah, I mean, this thing's written so well. I don't know why there aren't more shows that are this clever. You know, yeah, I'm hoping we can get James Perry on the, on the, on, on, to talk to because it seems like the 80s, you know, Maybe maybe a little bit in some other decades, but it was the last decade where we had such imaginative programming where you could have people with powers and also have this kind of humor that walked a fine line that 
you know, kept it within a, a realm that uh, made it enjoyable, not campy, I guess, you know. Gloria arrives. You remember Gloria? That's uh, played by this actress, uh, Courtney something. Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox? Yeah. Courtney Cox, right. Yeah, yeah that's her. Okay. Um, so she's, she's played by this actress, Courtney Cox. She's now, she's the one with the superpowers, the telekinetic superpowers. She's now working, delivering food for like a fast food joint. But Billy, after trying to get her, give him the food for free, asks her to help L with use her powers to lift this giant, you know, pillar that we talked about. At first she resists saying she wants to be normal. She's given it up, but you know, it doesn't take much. And she's using her powers to, to lift it up. Meanwhile, while she's there, she spots that the map that Elle's trying to decipher has imagery, iconography, much like a graffiti artist, artist who's popular in the area named Angel. She mentions that she went to school with him and he's a member of a, she says is a barrio gang. But yeah, it looks like he, someone was ripping him off on this map. So of course, Billy and Elle want to meet this gang member now. Yeah. And obviously, if you want to talk to a gang member, you just go right down to the barrio and with your ice cream truck mm-hmm. and check it out. You're right. <laughs> That's exactly what they do. And you know, you never, I guess you never question these shows, like, how do they know exactly where to go? But they drive this ice cream truck into this part of town that it takes them way longer than it should have to realize it was a bad part of town, right? I mean, literally getting out of the ice cream truck, the street, has, there's not a single light on in the street. None of the stores are open. There's places that are shuttered. But immediately, a gang surrounds them. And Billy, of course, in his way, tries to talk his way, you know, out of any uh, aggression. But he almost gets shot because a guy draws a gun on him and threatens him. Uh, it takes Johnny B to step forward and say, you know, I'll take care of this. And it's only after Johnny uses his powers to uh, shoot a, uh, was it a billboard with a woman smoking on it, right? Mm-hmm. He, he makes her cigarette light up and, and then the sign sort of, I guess, slowly burns away. But being impressed with this, the gang member says, all right, I'll uh, introduce you to Angel, who's the the artist that the misfits are looking for. Oh, you know, I just skipped a big major part. All of the misfits now are in the van. So yeah, they, they, not only did Gloria, <laughs> first she was, was, was saying she didn't want to lift that stone tablet, you know, cut to, she's in the van now. She's back on the team and now Johnny's there too. And Iceman's gone. Right. Iceman's gone. Now, you know, I wanted to dig into this more. But, you know, initially I had found out when we talked about this many weeks ago was that Iceman was cut from the show because Marvel objected to their use of this character who was similar to a recent introduction to the X-Men universe, Iceman. Now, I think this guy uh, probably needs to be gone anyways because he didn't add anything to the team and he just made it difficult for them to do anything anyway. So I think it was more of a practical reason they got rid of him. Yeah, I think you're right. Yes. That's why I'm skeptical about that story because I don't know how having a lumbering, you know, Frankenstein's monster who has freeze powers and can only say one word would be helpful unless you had water around. Yeah. And you needed candy bars to keep him calm <laughs> yes. and all that. Oh, I forgot about the candy bars just when I forgot about them. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think his uh, disappearance and not being mentioned at all again was perfect. Yeah. So Angel comes out, the artist they're looking for, and Angel is played by Dean Devlin. Dean Devlin, did you recognize him at all? I did not. I just thought he looked like a cheap Ralph Macchio knockoff. (laughs) Well, Dean Devlin, you know, he appeared in a number of different uh, small parts here and there throughout the 80s. But Dean Devlin is is better known as a writer and producer. He uh, co-wrote and and or co-produced, along with his partner Roland Emmerich, Independence Day, Godzilla, Stargate, Geostorm, any movie where the White House was getting blown up in the 90s, odds are Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich were behind it. So it was interesting. It was curious to see him as a young man, uh, as an actor, you know, in this show. 
what also was a little off-putting to me was, and this is maybe typical of the 1980s, was I had to look this up. And I only say this to make a point. According to Wikipedia, Dean Devlin's father was Jewish and his mother was Filipino. I say that only because he's playing someone of uh, Mexican-American descent who actually through, through way of, uh, you know, of Mayan descent, you know, through way of, I guess, Mexico. And he does a terrible, stereotypical, borderline racist accent that was very distracting to me. Well, I think this was the groundwork for everything that John uh, Leguizamo has ever done. Wait, he likes to play. He likes to play Italians. What you talking about? That bad Mario Brothers movie? He's done it in a couple of movies. Is that right? I yeah. don't remember that. Also, John Wayne. Yeah, he often played like uh, like a Native uh, American, Native Americans or Asians. You Did know, he really? Whatever. Oh, I don't oh yeah, that. yeah. Whatever they whatever they needed him to play. Well, sure. Going, you're right. Going back even farther, it was even worse. Yeah, right. There's a lot of examples of that throughout history, but still in the 80s, we had this. Uh, we still had it going on. But anyway, Angel can read the map. He says he learned it from his grandfather, but he's not sure how, why he's so good at being able to read these different symbols. Meanwhile, there's a Volkswagen that's been popping up. Following, we saw it at the beginning of the show um, when uh, the uh, Augie character appeared. And this red Volkswagen appears again and tries to run down Angel right there in the middle of the street. Uh, and Gloria uses her powers to push him out of the way while Johnny strikes the car with a lightning bolt. And, mm-hmm. and they cut to this character inside wearing sunglasses, who seemed like maybe he was supposed to be like a punk rock type of character to me. Yeah. Had- well, in my opinion, this yep. is just a guess. Yep. Um, we have the Indiana Jones theme going, you yep. know, with this episode. And what, what, where country does a Volkswagen come from? Wow. You're looking really, first of all, your two amazing Easter eggs here are both based on cars. I wonder if there's some kind of, you have a special knack for automotive uh, metaphors. Hmm. Could be, but then he's also blonde. That's true. You're right. You know, they probably did do that. I mean, it's easy when you're writing something if you just think of these kinds of things you can base something on because everything sort of flows. You know, just Yeah, I think they're called tropes. Tropes, yeah, sure, a trope. Uh, so they're able to, you know, ultimately dodge this uh, Volkswagen, sunglasses or shades, he disappears. Back at the lab, Angel's now busy translating the map. Max Wright returns for the reports, the memory reports that still aren't done. Max Wright is very disappointed in not working on the memory test until they tell him that it's likely that Angel can read the map because he has genetic memory. And now Richard's all excited about it. Well, yeah, as you should be. Once you find out that somebody can genetically do stuff, now yep. he's going to give the, now it's something he can sell to the military. Mm, right. They're going to strap into a table like Dr. Mom and <laughs> Beefy or Beef. Billy notices that the maps on the map are not the Mexican mountains. No. This is where they went wrong trying to figure out what happened with, to the Mayans. It's the Santa Monica Mountains. Yep, perfect. If it wasn't a 1980s show, if it weren't a 1980s show, you you might laugh it off. It's like, yes, that's exactly what it has to be. So now they know where to go. They got to go off and find out where this map, you know, pinpoints this location so they can find an entrance to this, these catacombs that will lead them to, you know, whatever that Augie was looking for. It's at this point that Johnny starts to refer to Billy as Indiana Hayes. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. L thinks he's now determined a place on the map for them to start their search. Cut to Beverly Hills. Of course. You got to go to Beverly Hills. Right. Not only was, yeah, you went from Santa Monica Mountains down to Beverly Hills. Yeah. So they, they arrive at, you know, in the center of Beverly Hills there. The Volkswagen is Volkswagen. Now I'm going to say Volkswagen to, you know, highlight what you pointed out about it. Is following them again. And they do what uh, every Scooby-Doo episode advises you not to do. In order to find the entrance to the temple, they split up. Yeah, you, you have to split up to, to make this whole thing work. It doesn't last long, but yeah. 
they, they realize there's two stores. Maybe this entrance is, they don't really get, I don't, maybe they explained it and I missed it, but I don't think they really explained it. I think we said this last time. There's a lot of things they don't explain, but you just kind of roll with it. It's fine. Well, they're doctors. So I just assume that they're just filling in the blanks because I'm not smart enough to know what they actually figured out because they're doctors. Oh, I see. And you know what? Because you don't actually go to a doctor, you don't realize that doctors are just like us. Except for the 15 or 16 years of school they go to. Okay, sure. That's true. So they split up. Uh, Gloria, Johnny, and Angel go to one store looking for an entrance to the temple. And uh, Billy and Elle go to a restaurant that's next door. Angel tries to steal something at the store using a stolen credit card, and uh, Gloria stops him from doing that. Johnny's searching for a basement level, you know, possible entrance to the uh, catacombs. He doesn't find anything. Meanwhile, next door, Billy and Elle... Uh, are in this restaurant where Billy bribes the maitre d' for a table because they they realize that the restaurant has a wine cellar. (laughs) So the misfits join them at this restaurant, and once they're seated at the table, as soon as the maitre d' turns around, they all slip into the kitchen looking for the wine cellar, and very quickly, Billy finds something, an entrance to a tunnel below the restaurant. Yeah, because the employees would never think to look for it because they don't know what's there. Yes, and there's like some, I think maybe there's a Mayan symbol on the ground that he touches or pulls up or something that reveals this lower level. And once they're down there looking around, they find, they come across a, a brick wall and Billy becomes convinced that the you know solution to this mystery is beyond that brick wall. So he has Johnny B use whatever little power he can muster in this basement to blast a hole through the bricks. They emerge through this hole to find an assortment of treasures in this darkened room. The lights go on, a security guard enters and they're clearly in what must be uh, some room in a museum. Yeah, once again, perfect 80s stuff right there. So Angel flees immediately as soon as this happens. Uh, and so upstairs outside, he's. this is another 80s, I think, trope, uh, right? I think we've seen this in some other films. The person looking to valet their car gives their keys to Angel, and he drives off with their Rolls Royce, while the misfits get arrested for breaking into a museum. Yeah, I think that covers that part. So now for the first time, we are introduced to, it seems, the true heavy, the bad guy of this episode. I think his name is Stephen. I think the, I think sun, so sunglasses is there in this office. Uh, I think he calls the, uh, the, the main bad guy there, Mr. Stephen or Mr. Stevens. The uh, Mr. Stephen, we'll call him Stephen, mentions that they're getting close to the, quote, peace and as the camera pulls out, we see this office is filled with various types of antiquities. And he has a jade serpent on his desk that we recognize as being something Angel had earlier in the episode mentioned. I think that was uh, written on them. Something about it was written on the map, a jade uh, serpent. Yeah, I think it was in the book he was showing uh, oh, Gloria. Right. right, yeah. He shows her in the book something about a jade serpent. And be- Yeah, and because she can't read, he was reading the book to her. Because <laughs> she can't read at all? Because you can't read Mayan. He was, he was, no, it was in English. I mean, he was basically going, look, this is a jade snake. (laughs) And it had big pictures in it, like a children's Uh, book. Yeah. Yeah. And he also shows you there's a jade jaguar in there too. So both of these are prized uh, treasures for some reason. Um, So the, the jade serpents on the desk of this bad guy. So that's how we see him. So Shades is working for this bad guy here. Angel, meanwhile, brings the Rolls Royce to the leader of the gang. Angel is trying to get into the gang and hoping this, you know, be some sort of tribute that would allow him in. The leader tells him he's nuts. He's got to ditch this Rolls Royce. It's too high profile to try to, uh, you know, sell. He said you can't paint flames on it and drive it down, uh, you know, to the movies or whatever. But you can sell ancient artifacts much easier. (laughs) Yes. Right. Because even though the leader tells Angel to bring the car back, he tells him, 
help out these guys, the misfits, and bring me the treasure. So, yeah, <laughs> he wants whatever treasure they're going to find. And also, this is weird. He gives them a ring. I don't know what this has to do with anything. It doesn't amount to anything, but he gives them some ring with like a snake or something on it. I thought I thought that was like gang membership. Oh, okay. Yeah, then that would be symbolic. All right. So, yeah, he gives yeah. them his ring and says, "You, it's just temporary. Bring it back to me. And maybe I'll give you one, you know, whatever, for good or permanently. Yeah, you're right. Gang thing. I got confused because earlier in the episode, too. You thought they were getting engaged? <laughs> I did look to see what hand he put it on. He puts it on his right hand. <laughs> but he does put it on his ring finger. But earlier in the episode, um, when he's first introduced in the lab to uh, somebody, I don't remember. Uh, well, when, when they're in the lab and, and Angel's deciphering the map, He's talking about his grandfather. He says, my grandfather gave me this necklace too. Or maybe it's when they first meet him on the street. And I thought that would come into play, this necklace. That never amounts to anything either. So I thought it was more jewelry that maybe will be important. And neither of these pieces of jewelry are important. The ring's probably important for what you because of what you said though. Yeah, it's just a thing so they could kill time to get to the cool part of the show. So Richard pulls strings to get the misfits out of jail. And now we see Jane again for the first time. And Jane, is she the probation officer for Gloria? Is that what she is? Yes, that's what she is. Okay, so so Jane's now meets them at the courthouse steps and she's mad at Billy, of course, for getting Gloria into trouble because he's not supposed to get her into trouble. And he gives this heartfelt speech. He reminds me of Mikey and the Goonies when he gives that speech about, you know, down here is our time. He gives a speech about how it's important for them to complete Augie's work and that they're close. And everybody buys into this, you know, and so they're, they're back out uh, to try to solve the mystery. Angel now tells him he has figured out who Mrs. Getty is, which was a clue from you know, the very beginning of the episode. And he brings them to a store that's called Mrs. Getty's. And we notice as viewers that right outside the store is the a grate that uh, Augie had climbed out of at the beginning of the episode when uh, Billy and Elle were watching that TV show. So, so they, they find the great too, and they climb down and now they're in the catacombs that we recognize, you know, which is where Augie was earlier in the episode. Jane does not go down saying that she's an officer of the court and committing a crime would look bad for her. Right. But this goes back to what I said about the first episode. She didn't have a problem breaking into a military complex. She didn't have any problem with that. Well, and she also didn't have any problem with letting the, uh, uh, probationary Gloria. Right. Like, I can't go down, but the person I'm responsible for, go ahead. Right. Go on down there. Right. This young girl or woman, yeah, who's her ward, you know, yeah, that's true. So she waits upstairs in the truck. Down below, Angel's translating carvings on the wall. Something is scaring him about them. He uh, ultimately finds a secret bun that opens a wall um, that uh, allows them greater access into the catacombs. And um, we see upstairs, Jane now has been kidnapped. Uh, Back down below... The bad guy, Mr. Steven, we're going to say, and sunglasses appear in the tunnel. Mr. Steven says that he wants the Jade Jaguar. He then says to Angel, if you help me out, figuring out where it is down here, reading all these other you know, hieroglyphs, you can keep all the rest of the treasure because there's lots of it. I just want the Jade Jaguar. Or here's your other option. You could stay behind with your misfits who I'm about to seal into, into a tomb. Angel decides to go with you know, the way that has him staying alive and maybe joining the gang. Uh, and leaves uh, the misfits to be sealed off in this tomb. Well, yeah, but, but once again, though, he just met the misfits. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they're not his closest friends in the whole world, so obviously I would probably do the same thing. Yeah, he knew that uh, Gloria barely in school, and Johnny says he knew knew of him, so yeah, you're right. So in, in the tomb here, well, they're running out of oxygen. They can't figure out a, a way out until they spot a hole in the sort of above a, d- a door that they came in through. It's just big enough for L to shrink down and climb through this hole. 
So of course, L does his thing and he's got now what, 14 minutes, we know till he grows back to full size. He's putting on his doll clothes and underneath, you know, his regular clothes, we see him just sort of moving around and, uh, Billy's encouraging him to hurry up. And L says, well, I'm doing my best. I think he says it was laundry day and he, he got some, the, the only thing he could get at the toy store. <laughs> yeah. He has the, the Michael Jackson outfit yeah. from a doll at the toy store. You know, what's so funny is not only is he wearing a Michael Jackson outfit that's, you know, presumably for a Ken doll or something like that. He also puts the glove on. Like yeah, he doesn't just about to say he even has the glove. Like he, there's no reason for him to wear the glove. It's not practical. I can see the jacket and pants he needs. Uh, that was so funny, but it's funny. It's very eighties and it was hilarious. So he climbs through the hole and very quickly he gets stuck. And so now the countdown begins before he's going to grow and probably just be killed as he grows to full seven foot four size in, within this wall and just, you know, be murdered. And that's when stuff happens. Oh, Angel. Okay. So Angel now, meanwhile, now he's working with the bad guys. He leads them through the tunnels. L's now down to four minutes left before he goes to full size. Angel figures out where the Jaguar's hidden, uh, including a secret lever to open the wall. Mr. Steven opens the, opens the wall and enters a big, and they enter this big room that's filled with, yes, Steven was right, all this different treasure. At the back of the wall is a sculpture with a face that looks familiar. We're not really sure. Later on, they make a comment about it. But Angel now becomes distraught. He's just crying. What did I do? He takes off the ring, which now makes sense to me why he does that, and throws it on the ground. I guess he, he doesn't want to be a member of a gang, I guess is what it's saying. He's done so many bad things, including this. He feels terrible about it. He decides he doesn't want to be in the gang at that moment. Yeah, I guess. He has a change of heart and wants to be a good guy now, I guess. Yeah. So Jane takes this moment to attack sunglasses, and Angel flees. Ultimately, he comes across L poking out of the other side of the wall in a little hole. And um, he's horrified to see this small version of L sticking out through the hole. But he does save, does save L. And they res- he rescues the other misfits by opening the tomb doors. And then when the misfits step out, Sunglasses is now there with another henchman. And Glory uses her telekinetic powers to just knock them back. You know, I, I imagine at some point she's going to go full, full uh, you know, Millie Bobby Brown and just make people explode from the inside out. But... Right now, she's just knocking people back. Angel, back at Angel in, in this treasure room, and he warns Stephen that it's booby-trapped, not to get the treasure. Stephen doesn't believe him, of course. And the misfits now arrive to see Stephen about to take this jade jaguar from its resting place. He's got Jane uh, close by his side. Billy, uh, fully Indiana Jones is it, and swings on a rope uh, across the room and rescues Jane from uh, Stephen, who has now removed the Jaguar from its resting place, causing all hell to break loose, as you would expect, just like, you know, at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. The place starts starts shaking and rumbling. Immediately, Johnny shoots Stephen with a lightning bolt, I think killing him, right? I mean, he looks like he falls back, and I think a piece of rubble just crushes him, and you hear him scream? Well, that's, yeah, that's how things get solved in the 80s when the bad guys show up. I didn't think bad guys died in 80s TV shows. I guess it depends on if you're the 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock slot. Yeah, I don't know when this came on. Maybe in another episode, he'll be back. So not only does Johnny shoot Steven using a lightning bolt, crushing him, it seems, to death, uh, but he also speeds in using his other power that we often forget about and grabs Angel and speeds right back out. And they all flee the building just in time because all around them, the building collapses but of course, they watch the the uh, spectacle safely from across the street. The, the the whole place goes kaboom, and 
they're safely right there across the street. It's yeah. probably all underneath the whole, you know, street and everything else too, but bah. Yeah. Just 30 feet away is fine. You're fine. Once again, I'm not an engineer or either an architect, so I don't know how those tunnels work. Yeah. No, they're good. And they use some footage clearly of an actually actual building being demolished, kind of like they did in Lethal Weapon, uh, what was it, 2. Mm-hmm. The, in the final moments, we see now Angel and the Misfits are painting a mural. Angel has clearly changed his ways. He's now getting paid, they indicate, to, to paint his art on the wall. L describes Angel as the last Mayan artist and points out that the statue, the large face in that treasure room, looked an awful lot like Angel. So, yeah, they got to tie that genetic thing in somehow. Oh, yeah, right. You're right. Yes, of course. God, I missed so many obvious things. Jean says that she wants to pay back Hayes for rescuing her, and she hands him something that he's always wanted, a fedora, just like Indiana Jones. Well, yep, Indiana Hayes now has a hat. <laughs> and just like so many shows in the 80s or parodies of shows in the 80s, they laugh at the end. Ha ha ha. Yep, perfect ending. Great show. Once again, this is the second episode. It was really good again. If you're behind, catch up, people, because this show's good. Part three, we're going to get to uh, pretty soon. So Yeah, and if you haven't yet, also check out uh, our regular show where we recently interviewed Michael Chambers uh, of Breakin' and Breakin' 2 Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, he was a lot of fun to talk to. All right, and hey, so yeah, catch up if you haven't. Uh, watch episode three for next time, and we'll talk to you next time on The Idiots. See ya. See ya.